in the uh, 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter this morning. We're going to jump around in those verses. We're not going to be in a go right straight through them, but we're going to be jumping around a little bit in there. So uh, if you want to turn to 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter. And I want to talk this morning about that we are the body. Because that's what these verses deal with. So it's nice that I'm, if I'm going to give you some scriptures, we ought to talk about what's in the scriptures that we're going to read, right? <laughs> so in the first chapter of the, uh, excuse me, 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, and I'm going to start the 21st verse. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most important. In March of 1981, those of you who are older, and I'm sure everyone here uh, was aware that when uh, President Reagan got shot by David Hinckley, J. David Hinckley, John Hinckley, <laughs> get his name right here in a minute, and uh, he was the chief executive, of course, the president of the United States at the time. And the thing that was amazing about this time that is although the President of the United States was, had been shot and was in the hospital for three weeks, relatively, it relatively didn't affect the, the, uh, our country that much. It didn't affect our daily lives that much. Our lives went on day, the same every day. Everybody went to work. Government offices were open. All those other kind of things that went on, nothing really changed other than we get news updates about the fact that the President had been shot and how he's recovering and those kind of things. But however, a few years ago, in New York City, the garbage collectors went on strike. <laughs> and that made a whole different situation <laughs> because that really affected everything in New York City. The whole city practically shut down. There's garbage piled up everywhere else in the streets, and it became a health hazard. So it really affected the city and affected the everyday lives of everybody in that city. So what does that tell us? Who's more important, the President of the United States or garbage collectors? <laughs> so it's kind of excited, you know, kind of different scenario when we look at it like that. And that's the way that we are in the church when we come into the body of Christ. We have a tendency to think that some things are more important than other things. And we've got it all wrong for all these years. The pastor gets up and the preaches, the people get up and lead reading music. Few people get up and do something, and everybody else just sit and watches. That's kind of the way that we have it in, in the body of Christ. And they say that, and I found this to be true in every situation, every church that I've been involved in, is that 20% of the people do 80% of the work or the, the things that associating to the body of Christ. That's kind of the way that it is. I don't, it isn't God's plan, but that's just the way that it is. God's will is that 100% of the congregation or the body of that church do 100% of the work. That's the reality of it. So the, the thing that we need to do as a body of Christ or as a church and as general is to be able to get the 100% of the people involved in 100% of the things that we're doing around here. And in order to do that, we have to be able to find our place in the body of Christ. And in order to do that, we have to be able to seek God and understand what he has for us to do. Uh, verses, uh, verse 12 in that uh, same chapter it says, the human body has many parts, but that many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews and some are Gentiles. Some of us are slaves. Some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. 
Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. Now, Paul compares the body of Christ to our body. Now, we don't have a problem except we say, hey, this is my body. But if we look closer at our bodies and your body or my body, we know that we have different parts. I have two hands. I have ten fingers. I have uh, six toes. I know most of you have 10, but I only have six because I've had some of them cut off. <laughs> but anyway, we don't have a problem. I have two legs, two arms, one head, one mouth. <laughs> Randy sometimes thinks that's one too many. <laughs> two eyes, so that means we're supposed to listen. Uh, and two ears, we're supposed to listen twice as much as we talk. So we all understand that, that the body, our physical body, is made up of a lot of different parts. But we put them all together, the hip bone's connected to the leg bone, the leg bone's connected to the knee bone, or whatever it is. Now, hear the word of the Lord. Have you ever heard that song? I'm saying some of you have. You have others that are, that are younger. Uh, I think it's on CD or something somewhere. You ought to get it because it's kind of a fun song. Your, tra your uh, traditional uh, uh, trios and quartets used to come through years ago when I was younger. They used to come in singing all these songs, and so they were kind of fun, and everybody get excited and clap their hands and... Have a good time. But anyway, we understand that. What we don't understand is that we are one body in the church. Now, America the re has made up of a lot of different parts. But the problem we have in America is we have uh, African Americans, Irish Americans, Mexican Americans, and uh, English Americans, and all these other kind of different Americans. The problem is that we're all these things first before we're Americans. We need to be Americans first, and then the other things afterwards. America was, is made up of a lot of different parts, and I'm not saying we should forget about all these cultures and different things, because all those cultures and all those things about all, every place that we came from to America are what makes America great. It's all those things that are important to America. All these different parts make up America. But the problem is that we're separating America in all these different parts, African-Americans, Mexican-Americans, and all these other parts, and that isn't the way the nation was designed. And the reason we're having a lot of problems that we're having today is because of this differences that we're trying to have. We're Americans, period. Doesn't matter where you came from. Doesn't matter what your heritage is. And when you start putting your heritage ahead of what you are, which is an American, that causes division in America, and that's why we're having a lot of problems that we're having in America. It's because everybody wants to separate the parts. But God made us one nation under God. And as long as we're one nation under God, then we don't have any problems. It's when we try to separate all these things and give all these special rights and special things to different groups and all these other kind of things. And there are certain people, actually the only ones we should separate out the Native Americans because they were here first. Everyone else came here. <laughs> Native Americans greeted the ships, <laughs> the boats. So that's the only difference that, that we have. But we all need to be Americans first. And if we are Americans first, then all these other things fit into place. Because as Americans, we accept all these cultures and different culturalistic things that people have. I don't have a problem with people in their cultures. I just want to be Americans first. I want Amer America to be higher in an importance list than where they came from. If you, did, if you like that place better than you like it here, then why'd you come? All these people that came here and wanted to change America, if you liked that place so much, why did you leave? That's the reality of that. And all it does is cause division in, the, in Americans. 
And if they don't do something pretty soon, if we don't get back to our roots, we're going to have a civil war in this country again. We had one before, and I believe that all these things that are just building up to a peak, and I don't know who's going to be fighting who, but if, you know, if God doesn't intervene and something happens, we're going to have a situation that we're not going to be wanting in America because a lot of people are tired of it. I'm tired of having all these divisions. I want one nation under God again, founded on this, the principles of this Bible because we did pretty good on this. When we set up this nation, God blessed it and honored it on these principles. And I want to see that again. But as long as we're trying to divide America into different parts, it's not one body. It's separated and it can't stand. Because when you deal with the foundation, they break away the foundation, everything crumbles. You don't think so? Go try cutting out the foundation of your house on one side and see what happens. It's only as strong as the foundation it is built on. That's why they do all these inspections on foundations. If you've ever built a house, you know that. They're very critical about the foundation. Because if that part isn't done right, then everything else isn't, doesn't matter because it isn't going to stand the test of time. You'll, your foundation starts cracking, your house is going to fall or do all kinds of things. Your sheetrock's going to start cracking. We have that in our house. You know, they set it up, and then as the ground settles, then, uh, of course, it's not quite right, and you get cracks. That's what's happened in America. The ground is starting to settle, and they're digging away at it. They're digging away at the foundation. That's what's causing all the cracks that we have in America. But anyway, <clears throat> but the same thing happens in the church. We come in, and we're Christians. We're supposed to be Christians first, but we're not. Seems like, well, I'm a truck driver. I'm a factory worker. I work in quality. I'm a welder. I'm a painter. I work with horses. I do all these other kind of things. And see, we have a problem because we think that this is our, our calling in the body of Christ. And unfortunately, we don't have to have very much merry opportunities for truck drivers in the body of Christ anyway we don't hear. There are some times, you know, it's nice to have a truck driver go get something for us as a church or whatever. But as far as basically, we don't have those kind of facility, those things available to do. We have a job for painters. <laughs> You're a painter. <laughs> We've had a lot of opportunity for that this last little while. Painters and those kind of things. But basically we have a problem there because we, we try to focus whatever our profession is with what, our, what we do in the church. And we figure, well, if I can't be a truck driver, they don't need a truck driver, so I'm just going to sit here and watch. I'm not going to get involved. Or I'm a welder and hey, if you have something to weld, call me. I'll help you. I'll do what I can do. But the problem is, so they sit on there, so you sit there and we watch everybody else do things. They say, well, man, I can't do that. I can't do what sister so-and-so does or brother Dwayne does. I can't teach Sunday school. I can't do any of these other kind of things because we think that we have to do it in a certain way. We have to do it exactly like someone else. But the reality is we don't. God has gifted each one of us to do things in a certain way. And God didn't take a gift for me and give it to somebody else. He gave me the gifts that I have. And he gave me the abilities to use them. Well, each one of us here this morning have gifts that God has given to us. We just need to figure out what they are. And when we figure out what they are, then we can, you know, utilize them and be able to bless the body of Christ. Because we're not a body unless all of us are participating in it, in our lives. And truck drivers and maintenance guys, they make really good Sunday school teachers, Dwayne. <laughs> People that work in quality make excellent preachers. I worked in quality. I was. <laughs> so, but it doesn't matter what your background is. Those are just experiences that God uses for us to be able to benefit in the body of Christ. Because 
it wouldn't be fun if all of us did the same thing. I wouldn't. Yeah, there are people that have ministries to the, to the cowboys, and that's their ministry. That's fine, because you know how to, you, you can relate to them. But here, in this kind of a setting where we're looking to reach a whole community, we need all of our special backgrounds. We need all our special skills that God has given us to be able to contribute to the body because we're one body, and we need to understand that. We're not a bunch of separate parts. We're one body that make up uh, separate parts that make up one body. Uh, verse 13 says, Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, and some are slaves. Some are free. But we have all been baptized into one spirit, and we all share that same spirit. When a person becomes a, a Christian, we're born into the family of God. We become part of the family or part of the body of Christ. And we have the same opportunity th th to be used by God in ministry, no matter what it is, as anybody else. God is the one that decides where he wants to use each one of us, not us. And we think we have our mind with these preconceived ideas about what God would make us do if we were willing to do it. And so we don't want to do that. And so I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to sit here in my pew and not worry about doing anything and just watch and do not, not get involved. But the more you get involved, you get ownership of it. They found out that out in years ago when they had a, a company, I don't remember what the company was, that was struggling, and they decided, well, they're going to offer stocks to the employees. So all the employees got stocks. When I worked at uh, AutoLeave in Colorado, we had... Uh, in our, the company, in our uh, retirement package, they would give us stock in the company into our retirement package. So we'd all have ownership of the company. Because when you own something, you do a better job. You take better care of your house than you will your neighbor's house. Isn't that true? You'll take better care of your car than you will your neighbor's car. Because it's yours. You have ownership of it. And when you get involved in the body of Christ and in his body or in his church, then it's getting ownership, and, and all of a sudden, it becomes part of ours. And God wants us to do that. God wants us to be part of the body of Christ because we're a family. And if you was born into a family, all of us were born into a family. I know that because I can see you. All of us had a mom and a dad and had some kind of family. And as you were growing up, you had responsibilities in that family. When I was a little girl, I mean, we didn't have forced air and that kind of stuff. I had to chop coal. We had a coal bin, and I hated going down there because if you never had a coal bin in your life, you know how dark those places are. Man, I'll tell you, every time I hated going down there. We had some little, those little bare light bulbs over in the corner, and it was so dark down there in that coal place, and I knew there's zillions of spiders down there, and I don't like spiders. And so I didn't want to go down there, but I, I had to take my turn because I was part of the family. I had to contribute. I, I enjoyed the benefit of the heat from the coal, so I had to go down there and chop coal. I had to do dishes. Man, I had to do everything. Man, was I abused child or what? Man, I was abused. My kids were abused. Man, our kids, I didn't do any cleaning when I was, when I, my kids were home. I figured if I, if, uh, that's why I got you. We had four kids. And they each, we rode on cow, they all take turns. Who did what in the section? You know, they did, one of them did the upstairs, one of them did mom and dad's room. I didn't even clean my own room. They cleaned it. Hey, man, why should I do that? I work hard all week. Why should I? So they had to clean our room, and they had to clean the upstairs and the downstairs and do the kitchen and all these things that they had to do. And uh, they were, oh, man, they, they got so angry. And why do we have to do it? Because I said so. You reap the benefits of this family. You get, you, know, you get to eat. I give you food. I buy you clothes. Hey, you're going to do it. 
because they're part of the family. They may not like it, but hey, that's the reality of it. If you're going to be part of something, hey, you've got chores to do. Well, God says, hey, if you're part of this family, you've got chores to do. God didn't call us all just to sit here and, you know, and just, just watch people do things. Although that was my favorite job when I worked at Hercules. I just loved to sit my, put my feet up on the desk and watch people work. Wow, I loved that job. That's my favorite job, got to watch people work. I wasn't allowed to work. They caught me working. I get in trouble because it was a union job. And as, as, as um, what do you call it, uh, management, I wasn't allowed to. They had union workers to do that stuff. But I was there making sure they did it right and then inspecting it afterwards and making sure they didn't mess up anywhere. So, man, that's my favorite job. And everybody had to talk to you because, you know, they wanted to make sure they didn't get on your bad side because you may be a little more, have your eyes a little more clean or, or open when you start looking at their work. So they, they treat you pretty good. It was a really a nice job. I loved that job. <laughs> loved watching people work. But when you come into the church, that isn't God's plan. God's plan is for all of us to become part of the family, all of us to be involved on in doing something. I don't care what it is. It doesn't matter what it is. We have a tendency to think that, well, I didn't, God didn't give me a good singing voice, so I guess I can't do that, so I can't do anything. Well, we've got things all mixed up. We may not have a good singing voice, but there's other things that God's given each one of us that we can do. That's the reality of it. And we may not, we, we're, most of the stuff that we do, we won't realize that once we start being involved in it, how much, it, how fulfilling it is and how much we want to do it. I'm reminded of a cartoon, a Peanuts cartoon, you've probably seen this, and uh, <clears throat> in the paper, where Lucy, she walks into the room where Linus is watching TV. And she tells Linus, she says, I want you to change the channel. And he says, why should I change the channel? Hey, what makes you think you can just come in here and tell me to change the channel and whatever, when I'm sitting here and I've been here, I was here first, I was watching TV, so what makes you think you can do that? She picks up her fist and goes, see, see this? See, individually, these fingers aren't very scary, he says, but when I put them all together like this, they become a, a force that you do not want to deal with because this is dangerous. And Linus looks at the fist and looks at her and says, what channel would you like? <laughs> and as he turns around, he mumbles, he looks at his hand, and he, he says, why can't you people, why can't you unite the way hers does? <laughs> you know, because that's what it is. Individually, you know, if I go like this, hey, you're not scared of this, you know, <laughs> big deal. <laughs> Break your finger. But hey, this, hey, we know what this means. So this is, has a little more power behind it. Because it's five people. See, this is five. This is unity. Unity. This is unity. This is individuality. This is unity. And when you get united in the body of Christ and in his church or in a home or any situation, it's a lot easier to do things, isn't it? When we're all on the same page, we're all on the same goal. Husbands and wives, God uh, wanted us to be together and become one. You get a lot of relationships now that, well, we got people that are married. They only live under the same roof. That's about all. They have separate lives, some have separate banking accounts, some of them have separate things going on, and sometimes they even have separate bedrooms because the other one snores and they say, well, I can't sleep because they snore. Well, too bad. Get over it. Wear earplugs to bed. <laughs> so, and that isn't God's will. 
God's will that they be united together in, in a family setting. And as long as the, the man and the father and the mother are united as far as how to raise their kids, you don't have a lot of problems. You get a lot of problems when the kids go to dad because dad's an easier touch than mom is. He's a little softer touch. They got dad, can I go do this? Because they know they don't want to get ask mom because they know what the answer is going to be. But sometimes you say, I don't know, go ask your mother. And they say, oh, no, not mom. Don't ask mom. But they, don't they know that? But see, what happens is they'll go here, and after you tell the one no, then they'll go ask the, the dad or go ask the mother after the, dad, after the mother said no. That causes division in the family. They may get, they, in my house, though, they did that. They got grounded. They didn't get to go anyway. And they ended up being grounded. So I was, we were uh, <clears throat> made sure that we were on the same page. And if one person uh, grounded our kids or did something in the punishment, uh, whatever the punishment was, they stuck by it. They may not have liked it. They may have thought maybe he was unfair with the punishment, but they stuck by it because that unity is what's important. We all got to be on the same page. And as long as the parents are on the same page, then their kids are going to grow up knowing what the, what the book says because they've read it and they look at it every day. But you can't have a book. Have you ever imagine having a book? Take two books and you take out every other page and swap pages. Can you imagine how confusing that would be? Trying to raise kids with reading that kind of a book? Well, that's what we do when we're not on the same page. And in the church, God wants us all to be on the same page. And this is the book he wants us to be reading and basing our life on. This is it. And as long as we're on this, then we're going to be in unity. Because uh, <clears throat> we're all in this together. In case you didn't know that, we walk together, we sing together, we worship together, and we serve to get God together as a body. And we're all got to be, we'll either sink or we'll swim together because we're in this together. And that's what God's will is. Uh, verse 15, if the foot says, I am not part of the body because I am not the hand, that it does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ears say, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, and there are many parts, but only one body. Some Christians, like I said, evidently was having a problem in Corinth because they weren't a hand or they weren't an eye or didn't have, be able to do a certain thing in the church. They didn't think they could do anything. And God was kind of telling them, hey, it doesn't matter. We need all the parts of the body. Everybody can't be an eye. Can you imagine how funny we'd look if we all had all made of eyes on our head, no mouth, no ears? We'd, look, we'd be a mess. We'd be freaks. Well, God doesn't want a freak show. He wants two eyes, two arms, two legs, and all those other kind of things that he made to make up his body. Because we all can't do the same thing. We're all not gifted in the same thing. <clears throat> What would happen if you went to a football game or you watch a football game and the quarterback comes up to the line of scrimmage and all of a sudden all his linemen decided they wanted to be wide receivers? I've always wanted to be a wide receiver. So all of them are all lined up there and there's no protection for the poor old quarterback. You think he'll hike the ball? I don't think so. <laughs> he wouldn't hike the ball. So because everybody on a team knows that they have a certain position to make. I know that sometimes the quarterback gets all the glory and the receivers get the glory. But the reality is you couldn't have a football game without every single person on that team filling their position. If you're supposed to be a blocker, you got to block. 
You're supposed to be a receiver, you're supposed to catch. We watched some people yesterday that, man, they couldn't catch the ball. <laughs> and there's some people that, man, they could catch anything like flypaper. I'm going, Wash. wow, how do you do that? Some just wonderful plays. But anyway, God wants us all to be part of a team. And he wants us all to be involved in the game. There are no people that warm the bench in God's house. That isn't any way that there are, but that isn't his will for our life. He wants all of us to be in the game. Sure, we take breaks, and there's certain times, well, it's, all right, today's my time. This is my time. It's all right. You can watch. It's okay. But sooner or later throughout the week and through other things that we do, it's your time. It's not my time. It's your time. And we need to find out what our time is so we can start getting involved in the body of Christ. <clears throat> the church doesn't clean itself. Dodents just don't suddenly appear out of nowhere. Popcorn doesn't pop itself. All these other kind of things that we kind of just walk in here and expect it's all done. We don't, the, the kitchen back there, it just didn't happen. We just didn't say, oh, God, we want to put in a new kitchen. And we just kept praying for praying, praying for six weeks. And we come in one day and, wow, there it is. Be nice. That'd be nice. My husband would love that. You know, save some little owies on his thumbs. Some, you know, be nice. But that is the way God works. We want a new kitchen. We pray about God to provide the means for us to do it. We ask God to provide workers. So Val and Susie, they come over and they helped so we could get it done. Because we have everybody, God wants everybody involved. In a couple weeks, we're going to have a work day on a Saturday. That's a good opportunity for everybody to come out. We've got a lot of things around here we can do. And if all of us pull together and get it all done... We can do it one day. Otherwise, it takes a couple people, months, to do the same thing we could do as a body. And you don't have to be really talented and gifted in carpentry or anything to do a lot of things. If you need some help, we'll teach you. You don't know how to read a tape measure? We'll teach you. If you don't know how to operate a broom? We'll show you. <laughs> There's a lot of things that are self-explanatory, but we gotta, if we need to show you, we will. So all of us can become part owners of this church become part of the body of Christ in this area. If we want to reach this community, we have to do it as a body. I can't reach this community by myself. I need a lot of help, and you're the help. You're it. <clears throat> First Corinthians, uh, the 12th chapter, verse 18 says, But our body has many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. If God wanted me to have a certain gift, he'd have given it to me. But see, God has given each of us different gifts to be able to be utilized in the kingdom. Now, the, key, the secret is to find out what it is. Verse, uh, Romans eleven twenty nine 29 says, For the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. The Message Bible says the same verse says, God's gifts and God's calls are under full warranty, never canceled, never rescinded. And God has given each one of us gifts. And when he's given to you, he doesn't take them back. He's given them to us. And we just need to utilize them. God wants us to utilize what he's given us. And we're never going to find out what those things are if we're not willing to try different things and step out in faith and say, "May I don't know anything about teaching a Sunday school class or I don't know anything about uh, hammering a nail, but I'm willing to try. See, my husband's a jack of all trades. He can do about anything that there is to do because he started. But he, didn't, he wasn't born that way. When he, could, when he was born, he wasn't born with a hammer and a saw in, one, in his one hand and a hammer in the other. He wasn't born like that. He didn't know how to learn how to do engines by just 
All of a sudden, wake up one morning. Billy didn't learn to drive how to, how to drive a truck without trying. And he had to start doing things and be willing to step out. Well, what happens if I mess up? What happens if you mess up? So what? What's the worst thing that can happen? If you're trying to cut a board and you cut it too long, or you can cut it again. If you cut it too short, get another board. You just have to, you know, just cost a few bucks. So you're going to be extra careful because, you know, if your money budget's tight, to make sure that you don't cut that board too short. Measure twice, cut once. <laughs> Those are the rules in carpentry. <clears throat> so but God has given all of us the abilities and things to do things in his house. Uh, verse uh, 21 says, The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the foot, I don't need you. In fact, some body parts that seem weakest and least important are actually the most important. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen. <clears throat> While the more honorable parts do not require the special care, so God has put the body together <clears throat> such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. <clears throat> now we're under the misconception that the pastor is the most important part of the, in the church. And that isn't true. There isn't any part of the body of Christ that's more important than any other body part or any other part of the body of Christ. We all need to pull together. Now I can live without a leg or I can live without an arm. But I can't live without a heart. I can't live without a colon. I can't live without liver or kidneys. There's all kinds of things that I can't live without. And most of those parts that, that are so vital to our existence as a, as a person or as a body are things we can't see. And that's where most of the body parts function. But without these body parts, we'll die because they're critical. It's those parts in our bodies that add the, uh, new, new, give the body nutrition. The stomach is the one that takes care of the food that we eat, and it provides nutrition throughout the whole body of Christ, or throughout the whole physical body. Well, those parts that we can't see sometimes, like the people that clean the church, or the people that pop the popcorn, or, or do the other things that they, see, that they do, hammer nails or whatever else like that, we may not see them, but they're important to the body of Christ because they're the ones that, that feed and that bring the nutrition to the whole body. It's not just the parts that we can see. Most people or most parts of the body of Christ are those you can't see. People that give money to certain things. Hey, they're a very important part of the body of Christ. Prayer warriors, they're very important to the body of Christ. I'd rather have somebody pray for me than anything else because that's a thing that's indisposed. We can't do without it. We have to have it. Those internal workings of the body of Christ, we have to have, even though we can't see it. And maybe you're a part, that's, maybe that's your, your calling, to be the one that new, gives nutrition to the body of Christ or helps support the body of Christ without being seen. There are those parts, but just because I'm up here doesn't mean I'm any more important than anyone else is, because I'm not. Everyone here, we're all equal in the body of Christ. We all contribute to the body of Christ. And you remove one part, then the rest of the body suffers. Now, I could write without any fingers. But it's a lot easier to write with fingers, isn't it? And when, we, when someone isn't fulfilling their position or their place in the body of Christ, it puts extra stress on the other parts of the body. They have to compensate for it. 
Our physical bodies are wonderful in relationship because if we have, a, have lose something, people that, are, that uh, uh, can't see, their other, other senses are heightened, and they, you know, they make up for that. But that isn't God's will. God created eyes for us to see with. And because we're not eyes doesn't mean that we're not important to God. And God wants us to understand that but because we need every part of the body. And we can function as a body without a certain part doing their, their doing what God has called them to do. But it's so much harder on us. It's so much harder on a body of Christ when everybody isn't pulled together and everybody isn't filling their part in the body of Christ. A body looks awful funny, you know, and it draws attention. You see somebody walking down the road and they're missing an arm. Man, we're drawn right to that thing that's missing, aren't we? I remember one time when my son was little uh, during the Vietnam era, and uh, uh, we was in the doctor's office or something, and there was this guy that was in there, and you could see that he had, he had been in you know, war and had had something blow up in his face, and so his face was very disfigured. And uh, he's sitting there, you know, he's only five years old, and he's sitting there, and he's looking at him and trying to figure out, you know, what's going on because he's drawn to that. And here I'm getting a little embarrassed because, you know, you don't want to, your kids to be staring at something like that, but kids don't understand, and kids don't have that, the problems with things that we have. And so he sits there, and he, he finally looks, stared enough time, he went over and asked, he says, what happened to your face? You know, like, oh, Lord, let me crawl under a rock, <laughs> you know. Because it's embarrassing, isn't it? Because you, oh, there it is, right out there. You can't help but notice it. But the guy was very gracious, and he understood. It was just a little kid. He was curious, and he wasn't rude, and he told him, you know, that he was in war, and he had a, had a hand grenade or something blew up that disfigured him. And, but, you know, and that satisfied, you know, him that he had gotten that in war fighting for our country. But, you know, to us, we're drawn to the imperfections that are going on in our body, and that's what happens in a church. When things are missing in the body of Christ or in our church, we're drawn to those things because we know that something's missing. And we're missing. We may not know what it is, but we know that something's missing. And maybe it's the stomach we're missing. Maybe it's the heart. (laughs) Maybe it's the colon. Maybe it's the liver. Because all those things are very important to the body of Christ. And we're sitting there. We think, well, we just need some more fingers. Well, God gave us ten. That's all we need. We needed any more. God would have given us more. Only need ten toes, or God would have given us more. We don't need three eyes, or God would have given us another one. (laughs) We don't need all these things. But we do need the things that God has given us for the church. And there is in this body of Christ that we have every single thing this church needs is here. Everything that we need in this body of Christ is here. It's just a matter of us stepping up and saying, God, I want to do my part. I want to help lift this corner. You ever move something that's heavy? Something's real heavy, like a gun safe, Billy. <laughs> man, those things are heavy. I meant, man, they're heavy. You get one person trying to lift the gun safe, you can't do it. Two people can't do it. You have to have other people helping you move stuff because you can't do it by yourself. Well, we're in the body of Christ. We come in here, and all of us are trying to move things and do things that what God hasn't designed us for. He's got enough people already here to fill everything that this church he's called us to do. That's the reality of life. And all the thing is that we need to find out what that is and do it. And sometimes it's trial and error. You see something that needs to be done, and maybe God's asking you to do it. I remember a lot of times people walk into a church 
and they'll go right by there and they'll look and there'll be a piece of paper on the floor. And they'll sit there and they look at that and they'll go get the guy they know that's the janitor and say, hey, there's a piece of paper right there. Because that's his job, right? Well, I think it was the guy's job that seen the piece of paper that God wanted to pick it up. Because he's seen it. He noticed it. <laughs> and sometimes that's what God wants us to do. And it's just trial and error. So what? If you do something that doesn't work out very good, all right, fine, you learned. I never knew I was going to be involved in this kind of stuff when I first started. I started out just doing very little things, and, you know, of course, I always like to talk. But just because you like to talk doesn't mean you're called to preach. God just brought me along and worked things out in my life and did just gradual process or whatever, and next thing I know, here I am. Because if, God, if you could see what God wanted you to do when you first got saved, you'd say, oh, no, 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 I'm not doing that. So that's why God doesn't tell you. Sometimes he does, and when we're willing to do it. But God has everything that he wants us to do is within the, within the body of Christ. <clears throat> Some people think that it's the uh, pastor's job to do everything. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, it says, Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church. The body of Christ. My, body, my job as a pastor is to equip you to go out there and do the work. That's what my job is. Sometimes we think it's my job to go knock on every door in the, in the whole countryside, knock them on the doors, and I'm, you know, I'm not above doing that. I, mean, I, I don't have a problem doing those kind of things. But according to the Bible, God gave you, I'm a gift. <laughs> God gave me as a gift to you to equip you to go out and do the work. That's God's will for your life, to be able to do the work of the ministry, to go out and do it, go out and talk to your neighbors, talk to your friends. The church in the Old in the New Testament time, it didn't, Paul and them, yeah, they started churches, but they started with just a couple people here, and they're the ones that went out and evangelized the world. Paul didn't go out and evangelize everybody that was got saved. God gave the gifts to the church. He gave gifts. He gave Sunday school teachers. That's a gift. He gave preachers. He gave everything that you see that we have a tendency to think is the things that's supposed to do everything. They're the gifts to train you to help you go out and do it. And that's right out of the Bible. If you look it up in your Bible, I'm sure it says the same thing. It, this is a New Living Translation, but King James says the same thing. We're gifts. And each of you is important to the party of Christ. doesn't matter whether you're a Sunday school teacher, church leader, whatever it might be that we have a tendency to think, oh, those are the ones that God uses. God uses every one of us because we are the body. We are the body of Christ, and we need to function as the body if we want to evangelize this community. Now, we're having a revival next week, and, man, we hopefully, we're the, man, the fire's going to fall, and we're going to all get revived because revive, in order to be revived, you had to be alive before, and you kind of got away from that a little bit. We don't like to think about that when you think about it to be revived well they revived people that died they go Push, you know that's revival they revived them <laughs> so we want to be revived we want god to go Push. i want god to Push. and bring life because when there's life in the body and not death then we can go out and we can do what god has called us to do that's why i'm excited about a revival we spent a long time getting here and I'm excited about the revival that's coming up. 
I'm excited because I know that each one of us has something that God has called us to do. I don't know what it is. We did, uh, when we was in Colorado, we did a, a teaching uh, periodically about three or four times a year on finding your niche. And we're going to do that here. That helps people understand uh, what their place is and what their gifts are. Because sometimes we may know what our gifts are. We may have an inclination, but we don't want to admit it. But we have, we've went through this uh, course a lot of times. And we're going to do, do that here and to be able to help you to be able to find that for those that want to know. What are my gifts? What are some of my gifts? And we're going to do that. But we need to be willing to do what God has asked us to do. Even if it isn't something that we consider the most popular thing to do. Sometimes cleaning toilets, uh, toilets aren't the most enjoyable thing to do. But somebody has to do it. Somebody has to vacuum. Someone has to do all these other kind of things. And they're vital to the kingdom of God. And they're vital to us as a body of Christ. Let's pray. Our precious Holy Father, Lord, I thank you for this day. And I thank you for each one that is here today, Lord. And I ask, Lord, that you help each one to understand that we're in this together. And that God didn't make any second-ranked citizens in your kingdom. That we are all stand equal at the cross. And we all have the same opportunity to serve you. And you're going to judge us according to what we have done with what you have given us, Lord. And I just pray, Lord, that you'd help us to understand and see that. Uh, with heads bowed. Uh, maybe you're here today and you sit there and you say, you know, I know that I need to be more involved in, in God's house and God's kingdom. Now, maybe it's witnessing to my neighbor. Maybe it's uh, uh, taking over a hot dish to someone that I know in the neighborhood that's sick. Maybe it's just witnessing for Christ. And I know I should be doing that, but I haven't been. But I know that I need to do that because I know I want to be part of the body and I want to fulfill God's calling on my life. Let me see your hand if that's you this morning. Praise the Lord. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't know God. Maybe you've never accepted him as your Savior. And so you're not even in the family. So none of this applies to you. You're in the family. And you son to say this morning, that I want to accept Christ as my Savior. I want to be part of the family because I like belonging to a family. That's you.